You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, TV Spitzer and Farmer Dave, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leanings. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Hey everybody, it's me, DB, and this guy over here, uh, to my virtual right, Farmer Dave. David Heath, how the heck are you doing? I am well, but I am a bit tired. Yeah, yeah, what's going on in your neck of the woods? So it is, it is real, it is here, it is kidding season. Kidding season. Not joking, but no, kidding season when the baby goats are born. Oh, sure, sure, I get you, I get you. So, uh, so we're up to, uh, we're up to, uh, we'll have about 20 of the mamas have babies, and we're up about a third so far. All right. But well, at least you don't have to. But what we do, because we want to make sure they're healthy and we want uh-huh, to make the uh-huh. sure that the babies bond on us, is so we take the the mamas for um, we take the babies from the mamas. Yeah. And but we feed them every two hours. Okay. So that's for some long nights, and it, so it's a little bit slow. So I don't really have an interview this this week. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But we had a, a great interview. In fact, we'll talk a little bit about this today because we're. One of the subjects last uh, week, uh, I hope oh, everybody yeah. heard, was Ramsey Campbell. That was such a good interview. That, I, I, yeah, I've listened to it a few times just from editing and also because of the fact that it was a good uh, interview. But yeah, uh, my neck of the woods, things are pretty noisy. Uh, we're the largest park in, I mean, technically it's, it's, it's a cemetery, but I mean, it's the largest green space in a long ways around. Uh, in Oregon that's flat and open, so people are flying drones, people are uh, picnicking, people are... It's it's actually really, really, really nice today. It's it's like 50 degrees out. It's, it's, it's like almost... Spring? It's, it's, it's almost sunny. Daffodils are blooming in the graveyard. Uh, ivy is starting to sprout up over by the old tool shed. Uh, out by uh, my neck of the woods in the graveyard. It's 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 yeah no no things things are looking pretty pretty uh, pretty nice. Uh, we've got people as I said picnicking, flying drones, uh, doing photography projects from the uh, local art school, and we we also just like have people coming through to visit the largest graveyard. I don't know if it's the largest graveyard west of the Mississippi or if it's just the largest graveyard on the West Coast, but it is, it's pretty big. I don't know. It's a a huge, yeah, it is huge. So, yeah, yeah, no, uh, we got that going on. They say you can see it from space. (laughs) You can see a lot of things from space, but yeah, no, no, it is, it is a big patch of land. Um, And if you want to know the history about that, just go to past episodes of, uh, uh, this show or shows on uh, this uh, 
channel. Uh, so the, yes, and the uh, glorious resurrection cemetery. Yeah. And if you want to know the future, consult a psychic. Ooh, or continue listening to this channel uh, station. Uh, anyway, so yeah, no. Um, anything else fun going on in your life, Dave? Anything you've been watching, reading, listening to? Um, so honestly, I, I mean, no. Okay. Okay. No problem. <laughs> no, I, not, not in the last, you know, seven or eight days since the babies came out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, uh, I'm hoping that maybe when things calm down, I'm finally going to try to catch up with Peacemaker. Okay, cool, cool. But, uh, I have to admit, uh, I did binge something right before the babies were born. Yeah. Hit Monkey. Hit Monkey. Okay. Did we talk about Hit Monkey? No, I don't believe so. Are you aware of Hit Monkey? No, I'm not. So it, it's a it's a it's a Marvel title. Okay. Uh, and this basically the the white Japanese monkeys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His tribe gets taken out by the yakuza, oh. who also kills an American assassin. So he kind of guides them through Tokyo in this bloody mess, and it's got um. Oh, uh, Olivia Munn plays uh-huh. a character. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it's kind of if Kill Bill was about a monkey in a suit. Nice, nice. And uh, I think it's on, I know it's on Hulu. That's what I saw. And I'm not sure if it's also on Max or Showtime, but uh, it's yeah, it's basically animated Kill Bill about a monkey. Cool. Very cool. Uh, I personally have. Not been watching much of anything. I've been uh, playing a lot of Cyberpunk 2077, uh, recording it on an undisclosed channel on YouTube, and editing it to put onto the PGTTCM uh, YouTube channel so Dave can check out the game and see the cool I, stuff. I, I would I would enjoy that. Yeah. I love that world. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've, I've been I've been having reading the supplements uh-huh. and you know Pawn Smith and the other people have read written you know pretty much the, I, the first game i think came out like 84 85 and, and i was around 89 is when i started getting into the uh not the original but cyberpunk 2020 yeah 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 no no um i i have to say i first became interested in cyberpunk as a subgenre when i saw blade runner as a kid um on vhs probably in like I want to say 84 and uh, like between Blade Runner and Max Headroom, I was like, oh, my God, this is like the best thing ever. And I really kind of like industrial, like near future stuff, especially like with net running or decking or whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, If if you were going to play a character in cyberpunk 2077, Dave, so, so I can figure out, maybe I can like specialize a character for you. What would you play? I probably, uh, I'd probably end up, I'd probably a corpo corpo. I'd probably be a corpo. Um, and I know there's sort of different choices, probably I would net runner and I, I might do net runner, but honestly, it's a, it's like, to play, even with Cyberpunk Red, uh-huh. you almost have to re- learn new ru- uh, new rules uh-huh, uh-huh. to run a, a net runner. So maybe techie, probably solo. Okay, cool, cool. All right. Well, I have a good idea of uh, what I'm 
already doing is totally what you would want to see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, 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 I like... I like... Um, Nomads, but I'd probably I'd probably start off with Corpo. Yeah, yeah, no, I would I, I I was gonna start off as a nomad, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel like role playing. And <laughs> oh, and, and, and the, the cyber, well, and the cyberpunk, the nomads, uh-huh. the nomads of of 2077. Yeah, in in the nomads of Red, they're they're not the same as the nomads of 2020. Yeah. And again, there's five people listening to us that understand what I'm talking about. There's more than really five. That's why they listen. The concept. There's it's 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 out of our like regular 500. There's about 30 to 40 that are like, yeah, Cyberpunk 2020 talk. <laughs> I've looked at the numbers. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know that you're out there. There's there's enough to fill a classroom. <laughs> But we have to think about everyone else who's here for the Cthulhu Mythos and us to talk about Disney properties that have been turned into, I mean, uh, things think, things that were part of our childhood that have now been turned into Disney properties. But yeah. um. Although, do you want to, <laughs> since we got maybe four minutes, and you, you want to know the origin of the word cyberpunk? Uh, yeah, of course. So Cyberpunk was a short story and later by a novel uh-huh. by a man named Bruce Bethke. Oh, And okay. Bruce basically um, – and it, it was only about two years ago that I was – it's a very interesting story what happened to it. Uh-huh. To find a copy. I mean everyone said the word Cyberpunk was invented by Bruce Bethke for the short story Cyberpunk. Uh-huh. But I could never find a copy. It was never in any books. Um, and he said, basically, he just took some three by five cards. It was about a, basically a hacker gang in the future. And so he wrote down computer words and, and violent words and on three by five cards and just matched them up until he found one called, it came up with cyberpunk. Oh, wow. And Bethany has, to this day, said, if I had, if I had copywritten the word, I'd be a billionaire. Yeah. Um, but, but he didn't. And so what happens is I believe it was first published in an Isaac Asimov magazine about the time um, uh, William Gibson's short stories were beginning to be published. So it was right about the time Sterling, everything, uh, you know, uh, now is considered a, a top Lovecraft poet. But John Shirley was one of the founding fathers of cyberpunk. That's amazing. My my senior project for me to graduate high school, I wrote a paper on cyberpunk as an emerging genre of culture for my for my sociology class at UCLA. What's that? I wrote this, uh, a paper on the same subject about the same time at UCLA. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I did not know that we had that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On Cyberpunk, um, I wrote in uh, oh. 94 for high school. Uh, oh, yeah, I shoot. I just told people the year that I graduated from high school. Now people know the, how, 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 how old or how smart I am. Yes. <laughs> All right. 
Yeah, so, so real quickly though. Yeah. So what happened and why Besky is not sort of seen with these founding fathers of cyberpunk like uh-huh. Gibson and Sterling is so he sells the rights uh-huh. to and he won't say the name of the company, but he sells it. You can you have to find this online. If you want to read the cyberpunk, you've got to go online because it's not in any novelization. It's not in any collection of stories. He sold the right, and he says – he won't name the company he sold it to, uh-huh. but that they were making a cyberpunk book, which you can't get the book. He's saying that the publishers insisted that they had come up with this cover where the main character and this girl in this ripped um, um, you know, school girl dress, guy's a big gun. And so the publisher said that they would not publish it. Yeah. Unless it had a big combat violence scene at the end. And he uh-huh. had already determined that it was going to end in a school, and he did not want to write violence in a school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that neither side would give in. And that's why he basically became a, or that's why he, his career is a, um, a computer. Uh, programmer for weather programs, yeah. as opposed to being up there with the the other names. Uh huh. Uh-huh. But yeah, so that is where the word cyberpunk comes from. Huh. It's a good. Like I said, it took me. I finally found it about two years ago online because it didn't dawn on me. It's cyberpunk. Maybe I should look into a computer. You know, sure. I've been trying to get all these. And it's not, to best of my knowledge, it's not in any anthology. It's printed now. Yeah. So if you want to read Cyberpunk the novel yeah. or Cyberpunk the short story, you got to read it online. That's okay. Crazy. Uh, well, oh, so we were going to talk about mythos, right? But we got distracted. Oh man, we 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 could. We we should do a cyberpunk episode. We should just talk about cyberpunk, but not today. Not today. Uh, today we are talking about what are we what are we talking about? We are talking about goat wood and oh, yeah. other less pleasant places. Certainly, certainly. So, um, what what is uh, goat wood? Goat wood I know is like a Ramsey Campbell thing. Yes, it is. And, and he talked a little bit about that in the last interview and a yeah. couple things. Uh, one is that, um, you know, it's a very famous story where Darloff basically says, stop setting these things in New England. You obviously know nothing about New England. Uh, set it in England. And so he set it in a part of England far away from Liverpool where he lived, but he at least could do research. Um, the thing, um, uh, a lot of it is based on the Cheddar area, but Goatswood is kind of, I think, the English equivalent of, um, Dunwich. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 it's, it's, that's, that's what I've, I've, I've assumed. And I, you know, it's like, I, I, one thing I, I wanted to ask you of, uh, Ramsey Campbell uh, is is if he could, with uh, his English, you know, or or, or his his not English, but uh, his his as uh, identity as a person of you know uh, Great Britain, 
Like, what would the accent of someone of Severn Valley sound like? Like, if he was going to mock someone from the Severn Valley, what would it sound like? Because. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a very good question. I don't have the answer. Yeah, no, no, no. And it was, it was, it was like, it's like, what does someone from the Severn Valley sound like? And I've, I've asked people, and it's like, uh, and they're like, well, it's, it's, it's like someone who's like from the county outside of Bristol, what they would sound like. And then I like look, look up people from Bristol. Or, like, famous people from Bristol, and it's like, well, Simon Pegg, and they're like, no, 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 he has more of a posho London accent now these days. He doesn't even sound like he's from Bristol. And I'm like, well, what does it sound like? And, like, this is, this is like, years and years ago. This is, like, uh, 2004, 2005, on the old Yog Sothoth, uh, uh, what do you call it, forum. And... Uh, yeah, no, no, no. It's, no one could answer. It's like, well, what does it sound like? And well, they're like, well, that's pretty obscure. It's like, you're not going to hear someone famous from that part. You're not going to hear anyone from that part. And I'm thinking it's like, yeah, you don't really hear people with an old Yankee accent on television or radio these days. <laughs> well, that's true. So another thing that kind of ties in the title, though. Oh, sure. That... Ramsey Campbell kind of got permission to sort of create and explore from August Derleth is Shognogoroth, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is, of course, associated with goats. Oh, yeah. So we sort of tie it in. And, and, and I, I thought about it when he was talking, and I realized, yes, Lovecraft mentions Shognogoroth, but there are no Shognogoroth stories. No, no. Um, and um, apparently, uh, Lovecraft did write a letter going into details and describing uh, Shognogoroth. Mm -hmm. But Derleth had forgotten about it. Oh. And so he had basically goes to Ramsey Campbell uh -huh. and says, you can have at it, guy. You know, it's all yours. Uh, Lovecraft didn't set any boundaries, and he had. It's just, it was never in any of the books. It was just in some of the letters he had passed around. And, and uh, Daryl, like I said enough, seemed to have just completely forgotten that part. Sure, sure. So there's definitely this whole sort of the, the dark fertility goddess uh, concept that comes into this area, which, but we think of that, we think of, you know, fertility gods as Roman and Celtic. Mm -hmm. So it makes more sense to have an area like Goatwood of being the area of the fertility goddess. Oh, sure. Than Rhode Island. Uh, okay. So, uh, what is the difference between Lovecraft's concept of Shubnigroth and Campbell's concept of Shubnigroth? So I've got to go find the, the letters. I haven't digged up the letters here. Sure. But we've got two sort of things coming into play at the same time. Campbell, or short after Campbell. Okay. Is Sandy Peterson uh -huh. and um, the Chaosium role-playing game. Oh, sure, yeah. 
And so our concept of this big tentacled creature with three elephant tiny feet. Yeah. That is sort of Sandy Peterson's concept of Ramsey Campbell's. Okay. Okay. Now, in fact, I think I've told this story before, but in um, Robert Block's um, notebook found in a deserted farmhouse, or uh-huh, desert, uh-huh. Um, he talks about these that description too, as and he calls them shagas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and, uh, and, and, yeah. And, and they they have nothing to do with Lovecraftian shagas. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Chaosium game makes them. You know the 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 children of Shagnagaroth. Yeah. The... Yeah. 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 No. No. And it's like naming things. Oh man, I it's just like the the naming convention for things in Chaosium makes me think of humanity as a cargo cult, and it's like no, 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 that's not what it is. It should be this. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. Um, so. What was Lovecraft's so, concept? Have you have you tracked that down? So I'm 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 actually so I'm trying to go through his letters now. Sure, sure. Because uh, he, he never that I'm aware of describes um, other than you know the black goat, you know the with a thousand. Uh, I I don't think there's ever really, you know. Any description, he just throws the word around a lot. Okay. Okay. Um, and so he, the, I mean, so the description in the, 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 and I'm trying to collect more of his letters. So I don't know exactly what Lovecraft's actual description because no one ever really used it. Um, where, what that we get. So what we get now. Yeah. Uh, uh is. Through the lens of Block, Sandy Peterson, and Ramsey Campbell, which Ooh. is, which is, I mean, you got to look through somebody. I mean, that's lenses. that's that's like that's canon. It. That's canon now. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like that's that, that we're talking about like uh, canonical mythos, uh, Cthulhu mythos, right there. It's like it's 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 like okay, uh, Ramsey Campbell cement, you know, started it. And then it was cemented uh, by Sandy Peterson in Chaosium. It's 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 like when people think of Shabnigroth, uh, they think of the dark goat in the woods with a thousand young. They think of some sort of blasphemous uh, fertility deity that may be feminine. Part of it may be feminine in. Uh, in, 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 in nature. Otherwise, how would you get the uh, milk of Shubnigroth unless there was a huge boob? But <laughs> or, or a tentacle boob, whatever. Anyway, I don't want to go into that stuff. Yeah, and um, that is uh, Brian Lumley. Yep. So yeah, we get that with the associating Shubnigroth uh, with the uh, night gods as yeah. they're and the, the the deity where they all the night gaunts are sort of, uh, you know, getting their milk. That Yipsatil, I think it is. I believe that that's I, I believe is is um. That's a deep cut there. 
Yes, uh, that, that is, is uh, I'm pretty sure, Lumley. Yeah, no, that is definitely Lumley. Yeah, no, no, no. Ramsey Campbell uh, isn't bringing, I don't want to say too many boobs into the story, but Lumley, on the other hand. <laughs> so, so in fact, Shabnigarov first appears in a revision. Yeah. I know uh, uh, Adolfo Castro's The Last Test mm-hmm. is the first mentioning. Um, now, I, I know that's sort of a long way going from Goatswood. I mean, we've been all over the place oh, today. Oh, sure, yeah. Which is, you know. That's the nature uh, of this show. <laughs> yes, but, but so, yeah, Goatswood is, it's the place that you would see Perverted, uh, 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 you know, nature gods and nature, yeah, yeah. Uh, nature, um, old cultists. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. And it's also its most famous creation of um, Goatswood. Yeah. The Goat Woods Gnomes. Ooh. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, is there really a lot? I mean, is there anything much scarier than sort of a evil gnome? I, an I, evil garden gnome? I, I don't think people think about that as much as they should about yes. how a small evil thing is scary. Imagine if your cat wanted to kill you. Is is the first thing I try and say to people when they're like, goblins aren't scary. And it's like, okay, what if your cat wanted to kill you and your cat could open doors and your cat could hold a knife? And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, that is, that is kind of scary. <laughs> And the other thing where, and and not like, not all Lovecraft stories take place in in Arkham or Dunwich, you know, not all of, you know, Campbell's stories take place in Goatwood. Oh, sure. That's also where the the moon lens is, is in Goatwood. Yeah. So, and if, so, completely different country. Uh Uh-huh. But the way I would see Goatwood now mm-hmm. is the the Scandinavian village in Midsummer. Okay. Okay. That, that's kind of I get the vibe. Or um, the original original um, Wicker Man. Oh yeah. Uh, so the Oddle of the Island. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I would envision. Goatswood. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I honestly like the only thing I can imagine Goatswood, uh, in 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 like my 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 uh, West Coast brain is like parts of like between Arizona and California that used to be part of Route sixty six that no longer are, and now it's just like these abandoned towns where people live in camper shells and, like, peer out of their trailers if, like, 
you know, it's it's not a town anymore, and it hasn't been a town since like maybe I don't know the '60s, but people still live there, and yeah. you know, there's big, big, like weird junk uh, sculptures built out of like abandoned cars and big no trespassing signs, and you just go, okay. We don't want to be here. Let's turn around. <laughs> is 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 the kind of stuff that I think of, like the kind of stuff that inspires, like uh, the uh, the hills have eyes. Like if if you were to go through it, you'd be like, oh shoot, yeah, no, <laughs> let's get out yeah. of here before Jupiter comes and gets us. <laughs> yes, but yeah. Um, uh, Anyway, let's get away from Papa Jupe and uh, back to uh, Goatswood. Goatswood's a crazy, crazy thing. Did you have anything else to talk about with Goatswood, Dave? That's really all I had to, to say about Goatswood. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, that's, I don't have anything else myself. All right, well, after the break, uh, we're going to have something. And then after that, we're going to be talking about the Noki. And we don't need uh, mean the, uh, the, the potato starch pasta. And, or yeah. the Norwegian phone. Or the Norwegian phone, yes. The Nokia, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll see you after the break, everyone. Hey, everyone. It's me, TV. Just reminding you. We have t-shirts in the shop. Just go to pgttcm.com. Check out all of our cool t-shirts and stickers. Heck, we even got some shelf curtains in there. Keep clean, look cool, have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon, get a free sticker. Or don't. It's up to you. Welcome to Innsmouth, stranger. I'm Rob Whiten from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest that includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com, forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember Innsmouth isn't just a place it's a state of mind. So Dave I was thinking for uh, the middle part this episode we could talk about um, that thing I I, I texted to you the other day if you were a a worshipper of a uh, great old one or an outer god or anything who would you worship and why okay i I figured that might be a fun thing to have in our back pocket in case nothing came up this week so 
Okay. Yeah. yeah, so I probably won't have anything so it's good. I just got to remember it's how it's – let me see how it's spelled there. Hey, everyone. We are back. So, uh, Dave, I've uh, recently been watching a lot of WKRP, and I was, I was thinking – The funniest thing ever said on television ever, God is my witness – I thought turkeys could fly. Oh, I thought you were gonna say booger. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, no. <coughs> uh, yeah, no. But I've been watching a lot of WKRP, and I was like thinking to myself, "Oh wow, I'm kind of like a, a combo of uh, the station manager and uh, Johnny Fever, uh, Randy Travis, or no, no." Uh, anyway. Uh, and, and, and you're kind of like uh, uh, Les Nessman and Bailey. But anyway. And then I was like thinking, hey, I, I, I know who my favorite uh, greater uh, greater gods, great old ones, uh, elder gods, whatnot of the Cthulhu mythos. I feel like I am or who represents me or as if I was a cultist who I'd be like, that's my, that's, that's, that's my deity. And then I, I had to text you, Dave, if you were a cultist in the Cthulhu mythos, who would you worship? I would say, and it doesn't have necessarily cults per se, just individual worshipers as Tawel at Umar. And why? So that he comes up. That's a avatar of Yogg-Sagoth, mm-hmm. who who says, well, "You gotta admit, you know, as the outer gods go, yeah. Yogg's not. I mean, yeah, his invisible kid eats a town. But sure, you know, he's not really that malevolent. Yeah. So this is this is the avatar of Yogg-Sagoth that in uh, who basically teaches Randy Carter." How to jump through the dimensions in the universes, um, in uh, oh, uh, in uh, through the silver key, I believe. And so, yeah, he's this sort of, sort of benign of the of the outer gods. In fact, the, you know, there's a couple things. One of the the websites talks about he's the the only god that doesn't drive you crazy to see. But then if you go, I guess he's actually kind of got a niche now in yeah. Pathfinder. Okay. There's whole things written about Pathfinder, about how he's this crazy god, and he'll drive you crazy if you worship him. Huh. So he has sort of this whole cult built around him in Pathfinder. But traditionally, he's the more willing to work with human beings and not make them destroy everything. Now, now, what 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 is the the, the look and the concept of, of this aspect of uh, Yog Sothoth? Because uh, traditionally, Yog Sothoth is a series of spheres that to look at does make you go a little crazy. But what's this aspect so, of uh, sort of a very tall hooded figure uh-huh. that you can't really. see see underneath the hood yeah. and it might be kind of smoky you know so yes it's not and, and, it, and you also have to get you know 
you know, I won't say Randolph Carter makes all of his savings throws. Sure. He, he, he becomes pig-like mutant alien creature. Yeah. But Lovecraft yeah. sort of fudges the dice a little bit. Uh-huh. But at the same part, you know, Carter is able to, you know, and Carter's, you know, Lovecraft's favorite. He, uh-huh. He's his author avatar. But he's not beyond a mortal human being. Yeah. So he's able to um, deal with with this avatar in ways that so he, other humans could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if Carter just got him mad, then he would just change into another form of Yog Sagoth and <laughs> and get revenge there. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. I like that. I like that a lot. So what is your choice for? My choice of deity is kind of, uh, kind of, if if anyone has listened to this show for more than two seasons would know that my deity of choice is Satagoa, the great old one created by our our good friend Clark Ashton Smith, and uh, adopted by H.P. Lovecraft, although H.P. Lovecraft's description, I think, is not of Yog sothoth but one of, not Yog sothoth but uh, not of Sothagwa, but one of his grandchildren, who is uh, a descendant of the Vormi and Yog sothoth who's uh, Kyan, I, I, I can't remember the character's name right now. Anyway, uh... Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, Yog Sothoth is described. Not Yog Sothoth. Yuck. Uh, not Yuck to Yog Sothoth. Yuck to me. Keep saying Yog Sothoth. Sothangwa is a big old furry bat. Like one of the biggest, oldest things on Earth. Um, there is maybe one thing that's bigger and older on Earth, and that is Ubo Safla. I don't know if I'm saying that name right. Um, yeah, close enough. Yeah, and um, I'm going to say that my personal theory is Sathagwa is the oldest living child of Ubo Safla. And, you know, is also probably seen so much heard so much of earth is is kind of like this like oh yeah i i, I know everything i'm i'm this like great meditator i I'm, I'm kind of this historian of earth or like maybe even like not even a historian but maybe even if like what if sathagwa is just kind of like you know azathoth is the collected rules of the known universe and the unknown universe. Azathoth is, you know, kind of kind of stuff like Azathoth is is all the greater, uh, greater gods, uh, higher plane of existence, and greater sense of self. That's what Azathoth is. Even if even even if like uh, Sathagwa is like a guru like that or something like that, um, like I, I really think of Sathagwa as this like kind of like greater outer creature who's more of kind of like this uh, I don't know kind of like the Dalai Lama of Azathoth the, 
the the big boss the big boss of the outer gods. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 like he's he's uh, Sathagua may or may not be of the same material as our known universe. Uh, Sathagua yeah, may or may not be uh, three dimensional, but he's been here. They've been here for a very, very, very long time, and they know a few things. They may have kind of like, kind of like, uh, I don't know, like mis- uh, historical no- uh, knowledge, legendary knowledge, and then mythological knowledge relating to the universe. But what they know that is historical and legendary is still like unwritten in human culture and is still... Even unpronounceable. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's like at some point in time, like Sathagua, you know, is a great old one. Sathagua may have passed away, you know, like at some point in time. And it's like Sathagua never had a couplet about even death may die. It's like Sathagua's the oldest of these things and then died at... 235, uh, you know, CE. Um, and he was only 3 billion years old. I know. So, such such a young, great old one. But, you know, um, anyway, I don't remember where I was going with that. But, uh, so, 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 oh, yes, when you finished, I have one slight correction I have to make. Oh, sure. Go for it. So, um, so, uh, Umar Ata Atawela. Uh-huh. Um, it appears, you know, through the through the gates of the Silver Key. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, obviously has Lovecraft's hand touch. Rand, you know, Randy Carter is his character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he's not the only writer of that story. Oh, okay. It's also, you know, uh, E. Hoffman Price. Oh, okay. And so it's very possible, and I don't know, but if more I learn, we'll, we'll share on the show. Mm-hmm. That this may have been a Lovecraft concept. Uh, um, oh, definitely Yog Sothothi. Yes. Yeah. But the idea and the name of Umar Ad Atwil uh-huh. may have been from Price. Okay. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. But I guess I guess the long short of it is. Uh, I, I, I would uh, worship Sathagwa as a uh, philosophical leader, and uh, I don't know more than more than a god. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I I, I practice Sathagwaism, which okay. means I just sit in one place and eat and kind of watch everything that goes around me. <laughs> and talk about it. Is, it. is that kind of is that kind of like Judaism? Yeah, I guess. I guess it is, but it's much older. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do we got coming up next there, Dave? We're talking about so, some uh, some some six-arm polar bear, some uh, six-arm, one-horn, uh, freezing purple, uh, white, white, white fur people eater. So, yeah, we're talking about the Noki up next. And uh, we'll see you in a bit, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Donner. Check out the show notes to find a good deal at Donner. Like the sound of this? This is the Donner Island Delay. And the really cool Donner LP that I've shown off on, like, Instagram. 
check it out. Uh, they've got some really good summer deals, and check out their snap deals as well. Use the link in the show notes to help support the show. Get yourself some cool musical instruments, maybe some patch chords. Cool. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that will tell you how to support the show and how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know... Uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Back to the show. Hello, everyone. It's me and Dave. Dave, how's it going? It is well. Nice, nice. So we're talking about the Noki or Noke or Ganaki. Uh, you know, I've always almost everything I've, I've read before I've actually heard someone pronounce it. And you know, I always call it the Nothkoff. Oh. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, I've 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 heard a bunch of them. Uh, the one I'm I'm, I'm most familiar with. Is either pronouncing it Noki or Ganake. So I don't know which. Anyway, um, yeah, we're, we're we're talking about a bunch of uh, uh, polar bears or like I don't know, uh, giant space bears. Yes, or apes with horns. Ooh, yeah, yeah. And, and again, um, they, they first appear, and they're they're almost a throwaway creature. Uh huh. Um, in um, uh, the horror of the museum. Yeah. Which again is not a single Lovecraft Lovecraft creation. No, no, it is not. He 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 um, uh, he writes that with Hazel Held. Yes. And so I'm not sure which of the two came up with the idea. Okay. Um, so I think, is it, to be honest, there's very little about the Nafke uh, uh, outside that story. Um, Darius tries to, you know, bring it up a little bit more. And, and it's not, is it a, it's sort of, is this the God? Is this the greater being yeah. is of this race? Is this this race? Does it have two legs? Does it have six legs? Are there, are there four legged ones? And so, so, so Lovecraft doesn't give us a lot to, to play with. Yeah. So of course, especially, um, role-playing game writers play with it. Oh yeah. Uh, and, I was, and I think I, I was, I was going to say, like, I think of, the Noke as being servitor beings of Athagwa is like how I've used them in the past since like probably mid to late nineties. Yeah, I know. Definitely. There's a tie there. And, um, 
uh, I believe, besides Derleth, but I think even uh, well, Lynn Clark, Lynn Carter, I believe, uses them, uh, and they get associated with uh, the Varmus and, and, and other um, snow creatures. Yeah, no. If we're if we're gonna go with the Derlethian heresy, they're Icewind Pokemon for sure. Yes. No, okay, I choose you. <laughs> but um, the the one the sort of the thing I really think that's kind of got them again is sort of because there's so little that gives role playing games a uh, a chance to use and to grow uh, and not necessarily be tied down to just what's in the books. Uh-huh. And I think the real the first time it, I mean I knew what they were and I read. Uh, I'm not even sure it dawned on me because they're, they're almost throwaway lines in the horror in the museum. Yeah. But is the the art in the the D20 called Cthulhu? Yeah. And there's just some great art, and so there's this great image you can tell your players. But there's always something in the back of my mind that it reminded me of something. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know. Has, has there ever? Have, so has there anything that you sort of, when you saw them, that you thought about? Oh, um, yeah. Uh, the two things that uh, popped into my mind uh, whenever... Okay, so uh, what, do you, what do you call them? The, uh, uh, not space bears, the, the six-legged little microorganisms that are all over the moon now? Yes. Those guys, and also um, like one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater... Uh, kind of like a combination of those, like one horned, six-legged, freezing purple people eater. And those thoughts will never leave my mind. <laughs> but well, it took, what I was about you, Dave? I was thinking about what I was going to say for this show, uh-huh. and it dawned on me that that there's always been this something in my subconscious saying that's linking this. I couldn't figure out what it was until sure. about two days ago. Okay. Star Trek: The Original Series, Magato. Oh yeah, the the horn, and so the, then I was thinking, oh my gosh, what if there's a link? Uh-huh, uh-huh. What if there is a link between them? Because you know, Block wrote three episodes of the original Star Trek. Sure, sure. So I went down the rabbit hole, so our viewers would not. Ooh. Is the Magato related to the Novkith? And so. Uh, one thing that I found out in this sort of hole, uh, rabbit hole that I was going through, is that original scripts, they were not called the Magato. Uh, they were called um, the Gumato. G-U-M-A-T-O. But DeForest Kelly couldn't pronounce the word. Okay. They had to change the name of the creature. Uh, and I guess that uh, because uh, Forrest Kelly just could not say Gamato. Oh, wow. Good thing they weren't called the Noke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the more and more... So I thought, well, okay. Did Robert Block write um, A Personal War, which is the episode it appears on? Uh-huh. And that's that's the episode where they're like white space Indians... There's a lot of space Indians, and, yeah. and, you know, and and Kirk starts digging his friend's uh, wife, and you know, it, it all goes downhill from there. 
Yeah. Well, the answer to that question is no. Okay. It was not written by Robert Block, nor is it on a uh, on one of Block's uh, stories. Sure. Uh, and, and it was. Oops, I just lost my notes. I'll be right with you. No problem. Or and, and it's a, a private little war is the episode. Okay. And so private little war is written by Don Ingalls. And you're saying, what? What, David? No, no. It says right there that it's credited to John Crucis in the story. Yeah. So John Crucis is, in this case, a, a pseudonym. Okay. So, so Don Ingalls was much like... Roddenberry, he was a bomber pilot, and I think they yeah. actually knew each other. Okay. And Ingalls, who has credit, he wrote, if you have a favorite cowboy, doctor, or detective show in the 60s or the 70s, yeah, he wrote an episode or two of it. Mm-hmm. He, and he just wrote all sorts of things. And he wrote A Private Little War. And his version of the, the, the original script yeah. in the story was much, much more a com- uh, uh, a complaint or, you know, uh, uh, to, to condemn the Vietnam War. Okay. And Roddenberry, Roddenberry was just too afraid to go there. Okay. So the, he changed the script to where it was more towards this general anti-war story. Um, and Ingalls was so mad that he demanded that they don't give him, that they take his name off so okay. that's why it was given to. So they made up the name Jed, uh, Jed Crucis, and that um, he, he and Roddenberry didn't talk to each other for a year because of that. Oh they wow! They finally you know patched things up. So I started studying Ingo, and he wrote, like I said, he wrote scripts on practically every cowboy and bonanza, you know, cop movies and and doctor movies in the sixties and seventies. Uh, but he only wrote one novel that I can find, and it is set on an Indian reservation, and there's a stalker murder who might be supernatural and might not. Huh. So I was thinking, is there a tie between – and, and uh, Don Ingalls has passed. Mm-hmm. But is there a tie between him and Lovecraft? Well, he's the right age. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was born in the 20s, you know, so he probably was familiar with Pulp. Um, but like I said, he wrote things like he wrote scripts for Adam 12. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Born Free TV show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, oh, and his final work, he did uh, quite a bit. He was the writer and producer for T.J. Hooker. Oh, okay. So, you know, so back to, to William Shatner. But after my deep, I couldn't find, he didn't really write, he didn't do like horror stories. He didn't do Twilight Zone, things like that. Yeah. So the odds of him remembering what was basically in the 60s, just this throwaway scene. Yeah. And what was at that time an obscure horror short story mm-hmm. 
it's probably pretty rare. Okay. That maybe he did read it. Maybe it was in his subconscious. But I looked pretty hard, and I just could not find him being this huge horror pulp fanatic or something. So I, I really think it's maybe just sort of a coincidence. But they always seem the same to me. Okay. Okay. So can I talk to you about uh, No K? Let's and, talk. And, and D&D? Okay. <laughs> it's like I, I really – you could – it's like I like I I love this concept of like being like oh did that come from this and it's like I didn't know that but I loved Star Trek so let's hear what Dave has to say. <laughs> so so if you're doing like a, a modifious Star Trek adventures yeah and the, the they think they're gonna get this this regular yeah you know gamato uh huh well beast it beep it up give it a couple extra arms and weather controlling power yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I was gonna say what I like to use uh, No K for if I'm going to throw it into D and D, which thanks to I mean, and 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 three point five, it was really easy thanks to the D twenty COC book, and I can't yeah. remember if Pathfinder made a No K or not or anything like I'm, it. I'm sure they did. Yeah. I, I know that there are some third party. Lovecraft, yeah. Pathfinder books. Yeah, I've, I've, I've grabbed stuff off the net for when I wanted to use Noke. And pretty much what I treat the Noke like are giant mammals with two massive arms, kind of like uh, um, like maybe some sort of descendant to the Gug or uh, a, a multi-limbed uh, mammal who lives in Arctic region that can cast like frost spells that worships Rantigoth or Thogwa. And yeah. <laughs> well, and, and uh, you t- could also sort of flip flop it a, w- a little bit with uh-huh. the, the creature. I think it's kind of based on. Yeah. Is the Wendigo. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, give it, take over the Wendigo place or combine their powers or you know, make the the go after you know they think they're going after an off K and it's a Wendigo. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like uh, the win uh, not the Wendigo but the No K are described as a race of vicious cannibals who are driven from Loma by mankind by the Vormi. In later texts, it appears that the lone creature, sometimes called the Hairy Thing, is often confused with Rantigoth. Anyway, but <laughs> yeah, which, which you know you could use a good portion of that as a description. Yeah. Of, um, of a Wendigo. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the yeah. difference oh. between uh, I was going to say the difference between Noke and a Wendigo is uh, the Wendigo may have like fur, and a Noke when you get up close to it and look at its fur, it may be like little tiny tendrils, much like Rantigoth. Who's a little bit more reptilian in looking, uh, reptilian and insectoid looking, uh, and uh, mammalian look comes from little tiny tentacles. Anyway, <laughs> something so, to think so about. What, yeah, so something else that you can do with the yeah. uh, Nof K, if you know your party and sort of like plan around what your party's gonna do. Sure. So let's say they kill the Nof K. Yeah. One of the first things the party's likely to do, you can maybe drop it, is it's got this. Cool horn. Mm-hmm. They're going to take the horn and they're going to take the head, right? Yeah. Maybe not. Well, then the, the, then you could do zombie 
no kick, trying to get its head back or its horn. Or you could, you know, you could, you could sort of say that, you know, there's if that you that you could sell the horn, yeah, for this huge amount of gold or something to an alchemist, or the party's going to yeah. take it, yeah. but they're probably not going to want to carry this huge body. No. Uh, my thought is is as is with that is like what if um, like they just killed like a small noke, and like what they saw is like a noke fighting with like a frost troll, and then the, like the noke rips the frost troll in half. So they know okay, this is at least a this much hit dice creature. We can totally take this. But they ended up taking down a small one, and like the rest of its clan is like, oh. Ye- you want you you want this, yeah. <laughs> and then chases them across Lomar or whatever fantasy world uh, tundra type area they 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 are. Yeah, no, I I think they're really yeah, and you could also have them allies or pets with frost giants. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And I, I was thinking, like, you could, like, show how big or powerful the Noke are by, like, having them have, like, frost giants as pets or, like, uh, like small polar bears or polar bears or something like that. Um, you could, like, show that they're, like, magic users or something like that with, like, I don't know. Uh, you, you could treat them as some sort of, like... Uh, Upper species of like frost, like like they could be like an over species. Like there's not a whole bunch of them up in the frozen kingdoms, but they're what rules. Um, they kind of keep the frost giants in check, and you know they're they're kind of like the over bosses of like frozen monster kingdoms or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Or if you wanted again, uh-huh. play with. Um... You know your 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 players' uh, expectation. Oh sure, yeah. This is something I was going to do up too. As a yeti. Oh yeah. Or you know, and, and so they think that they're going after like a bigfoot or something, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they've got much more. You know, it's it's not just muscles. It's got and fur. It's much much bigger. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my thought is, is like, if they're expecting some sort of beast and they're actually like, um, they have the ability to change temperatures and summon blizzards. What if that's just spell casting? I mean, they've got the arms for it and they're like, uh, like a horned kind of like, uh, like ultimately kind of like a horned Bigfoot with, uh, or Yeti with two sets of arms, like a magical uh, strain of, a magically inclined strain of uh, Yeti or a mythos-touched Yeti, like uh, sorcerers. Like, it's 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 like a clan of sorcerers. Um, or, or a lycanthrope. Yeah. Whoa, that's even cooler. I mean, that's cool. Like, uh, like sorcerers that have dedicated their life to the uh, Ivan and... Uh, you know, this is this is a form that they take so that they can, I don't know, be better worshippers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, uh, I, I uh, what else was I thinking? Um, 
like uh like even if you go with like the bestial kind of things the maybe they have like a certain amount of sentience to them uh they cast spells and uh you know they're worshipped a bunch in the book of ibon uh, if you're playing kind of like a sword and sorcery kind of uh, sword and sandal game, uh, what if you're thrown into a pit with a noke? And like, it's like, Rawr! and you're like, and it's like, wait a minute, hold on. Before you stick that sword in me, pretend like you're going to stick this sword in me. I know a way to get out of here. I'm going to ice these guys and we can run off to the tundra. And then you're on your own, barbarian. I mean, <laughs> you know, absolutely. And, Treat and the Noki like a like like a Wookie. <laughs> yeah, a Wookie. Or you know what? That remind me too. Uh huh. Um, John Carter of Mars. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And and there is a, a very decent John Carter of Mars game, but yeah, that could be. Um, exactly sort of the thing that's in the pit to, to, that you have to fight. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, I was thinking of Solo, a Star Wars movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that is very John Carter of Mars as well, which so is Solo, a Star Wars movie's in part. Um, I guess that's what you get for being a hero. Um, but yeah, no, no. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of different ways that you could use Noke. They've got multiple arms. That means they could be super awesome at spellcasting. They could throw multiple things. They can wield multiple weapons. Um, they've got teeth. They've got a horn. Um, it's, oh man, uh, mountainous. They're awesome. I mean, it could either be really a great asset or, or, or a, a terrible enemy. So, and, and it's at home in the, the Arctic tundra. Yes. Which is going to be very alien and not conducive to, you know, your human beings and your elves and your dwarves. Yeah, no, I've had them like throwing huge, uh, chunks of black, uh, volcanic rock in like a snowy wasteland of uh, tundra uh, and volcanoes, you know, just kind of like having them live in like uh, like volcanic uh, kind of like uh, liminal areas between uh, the volcano and where, where where the volcano meets the snow. The juxtaposition of that kind of thing is where. So not too far from Oleander. Yeah, yeah. Is Ape Canyon in Washington? Yes, yes. Between here and. And uh, Mount St. Helens. Yep, yep. And for those who don't know it, it's got these all these volcanic tubes, just like you're describing. Ape caves, yes. Yes, but the, it gets its name because of a legend of a house that was attacked by Bigfoot, uh -huh. who threw rocks through the roof of the house because Ooh. they had shot, shot a, a Bigfoot. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, you know, that especially, you know, and these were like guys with like repeating lever action rifles in like the 1890s or something. Uh -huh. You know, if we well, you know, got magic, but or crossbows. So, I mean, yeah, you could redo the, the Battle of Ape Canyon. Wow. I didn't know about that part. Yeah, they never talked about that in school. <laughs> well, Ape Canyon? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, no, yeah, Ape Canyon is named after Bigfoot. Okay. A okay. Attack. 
Yeah, no, I just know about the ape caves and yeah, uh, ape caves. They're all named after they're named after a Bigfoot attack. Oh wow, I had no idea about that. We just went down there and explored and talked about geology and such. Yeah, so, dude, I would love to like time travel be like a ten year old, Mister Teacher. How come <laughs> this is called A? <laughs> and it was uh, it was it was apparently named after the exploring group is what we were told something about like the uh, the cave apes or something like that or ape ape valley cave ape caves or cave apes or something like that. Uh, people can correct me. I'm I I'm just trying to draw off stuff from eighth grade, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a really. Yeah. So again, welcome to tangents and side trip. But yeah, Ape, Ape Valley and, and Ape Caves are named after a Bigfoot attack. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. That's awesome. That's really cool. And yeah, no, I've 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 been in Iceland, and I've I've been to areas where the volcanoes meet the tundra, or yeah, just frozen sod, and. Uh, I, I could imagine, like, Noke roaming around there, throwing stuff, eating ponies, like, you know, chasing down elves, ripping arms off stuff. I mean, I, it, it, I, I could totally imagine these things also being in, like, Skyrim, ripping the arms off of, like, uh, frost trolls or, you know, it's like any, any, any place that's kind of, like, really kind of rugged and cold, it's like... You know, uh, that Alaskan ice fishing show, I could imagine them showing up and attacking a boat because one got stuck on an mm. ice drift somewhere. <laughs> it's like uh, watching a documentary about trolls and imagine an okay showing up and everyone being like, oh, no, these aren't even trolls. These are worse or these are different and they're just awful. <laughs> Like, you know, people who are used to dealing, like, like kind of like the switcheroo, people who are used to dealing with something like trolls, and it's like, oh, trolls are afraid of fire, and this is what trolls do, and this is what that. Like, if you, you send someone out to go hunt trolls, and then there's a noke, and they're like, that's not a troll. What is that thing? It's got, like, a mouthful of teeth, a massive horn, two arms, and uh, four arms and two legs, and it's doing stuff. It's It's, like, causing blizzards and keeping us stuck in here. It's like we have to fight something that can cast magic and also is terrifying. And I don't know. I, I think like uh, one group of like low-level, low-level D&D people are going to die up against an okay, possibly. It's, it's, it's like you're, I, I don't know. I, I think like a, a group of uh, fifth to uh, seventh level characters. Yeah. I was going to say four to six, but you're probably right there. But yeah. And, and then, you know, for your, you know, if you had like a group of 12th level characters, you're going to have some decent magic users and some decent fighters in there. Um, I mean, sorry, thieves. I think you're kind of, kind of, kind of out of luck in a snow environment with something that casts snowy stuff of getting a backstab going on. Uh, hey, monks, druids, everyone else, I think you're, you're going to do great. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, no, no, it's, 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 it's like if you got a clan of, of Noke, if, if, if you organized them like that, like a family of them, or like even a small, like little villagey thing or something like that going on, 
uh, you should have like a pretty high level group of people unless like, you know, they're sick with a plague or something and like they're being nice and they're like, we need you to help us. And then, then later they attack an ally of yours and then you have a conundrum of what to do. (laughs) I do want to make one correction there. Oh, sure. Go for it. I was going off my memory. I was saying that the eight Canyon attack was reported in the 1890s. Uh Uh-huh. It was actually 1924. Oh, wow. So, so uh, it sets in really good for traditional call, uh, call Cthulhu. You got the Nofki all statted out. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that would make for, I think, a really good um, you know, recreation of the 8th Canyon attack, 8th Valley Canyon attack. And if you guys, if you are... Listening to it, and you want a brief description of the Ape Canyon attack, uh, just go into Wikipedia. Just type in Ape Canyon. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of things there, not only the alleged Bigfoot attack, but there's a, a famous case that maybe you could tie in with Anofki of a very experienced skier just disappearing. Whoa. Uh, so great geographical area, great inspiration uh-huh. geologically. Uh, for a D and D game, um, but uh, yeah, you might you might want to run, uh, look up, uh, oh, uh, Ape Canyon. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So, um, okay, I I, I think we've uh, done everything. The okay are okay in my book. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, I, if we're I, making puns, we're about done. Yeah, and I was gonna say. Um, no reason you can't have them in the Antarctic, except for the fact, how the heck would they get there? <laughs> well, we got dimensional gates. You can put dimensional them wherever gates. you want. I and, don't know. And, and, and you know who, you know who um, the Elder Things may have probably captured a couple. Possibly. But the Elder Things got them on, uh, got them, uh, on ice, and then the adventurers pushed the wrong button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's, 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 that's a good point. And, or, or like... I don't know if if Shoggoths were like, huh? You know, I bet we could breed these things for food. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I like the idea of uh, the uh, elder things like freezing a whole bunch of them, like freezing a whole bunch of them and Vormi, and and maybe even like uh, like some some uh, I don't know Atlanteans or something like that. And then, like, adventurers in the 20s or 30s running across and letting them out. And who knows? Put a gug in there, too. <laughs> the more the merrier. Yeah. And, you know, and a, and a, a Sasquatch and a, a Wendigo. And... and if you're going to put, uh, I don't know, uh, let's, let's put some Mego in there just so, so people are like, ooh, it's a Yeti. It's like, no, it's not a Yeti. It's a Mego. Lovecraftian yeah. Mego, but yeah, <laughs> that sounds that sounds a little uh, convoluted, but I don't know. I, I'm sure someone could make it work. I'm sure that someone's out there writing a module right now. The Antarctic is a fairly large place, from what I understand, but it's really hard to see how it's represented on the maps. Yep. All right, Dave. Anything else uh, you have to talk about before? I start talking about copper cow coffee. 
No, other than it's about time for me to go check on some mama goats. All right. Well, it's time for me to make myself a copper cow coffee, fine Vietnamese coffee. Uh, you can set up a, a subscription. We've got more information in the show notes. But yeah, inf- uh, individually packaged little pour-overs. They come in little paper things. It's really high-quality coffee. They come packaged in these little foil envelopes that keep everything nice. Uh, there's also individually packaged these sweetened condensed milks. Uh, some are mocha, some are not. So it's based on what flavor you get, and you can get bundles and boxes. And if you get over $30, $40, I can't remember what it is right now, uh, shipping is free. Free shipping? I know. It's it's really cool. So check out Copper Cow Vietnamese Pour Over Coffee. I'm a huge fan. I've got a bunch of churro that I've been working through, and it's not, it's, it's uh, you know, I guess I can't call it work because I love what I'm doing. But yeah. yeah. So. All right, everyone. Check out Copper Cow and the rest of the uh, sponsors who sponsor this show, whether it be Glary Guitar or Donner Deal or any of the other folks like that. So we'll see you next time, everyone. This show is edited and produced by me, D.B. Spitzer. Interviews, as always, by David Heath. No interview this week, but hey, we'll figure something out next week. And we, 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 got, we got some we got some stuff in the work for for next week. Oh, yeah. And music is by me, D.B. Spitzer. And I'm trying to make sure that I put the music before I do all my optimizing and everything like that. So it doesn't bleed through in weird parts when it's not supposed to. So I've been watching some YouTube videos. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. And hopefully the outro doesn't make your ears bleed. Bye. Bye. Oh, we did it at the same time. That's crazy. I'm going to leave that in. (laughs) See you later, everyone. Can you say bye, Dave? Goodbye. All right. That's awesome. That was a good episode. And I'll talk to you in the near future. Okay. And I'll reach out to see if I can start getting some interviews done. All right. Sounds good. I'll talk to you later, Dave. All right. Take care.